0: Growing up or kind of starting out my career in journalism you know I felt like I was probably tucked away behind a desk and not really having much of that interaction of really being able to kind of go into a world of hey you know what kind of impact am I having you know what, what's mm-hmm. kind of my stake in the game and this, this role and so, so that's one thing I wish I would have you know probably had a little bit more coaching or mentoring or kind of guidance even going through you know college and understanding what that looked like.
1: From Viton Career Coaching, it's How I Got Here, a show about business leaders, their resilience and the stories behind their career moves. I'm Vincent Van Van and I've interviewed thousands of job candidates over the years in both recruiting and as a former corporate executive. Now I'm on a mission to help you take the next step in your career. A corporate job opening attracts an average of 250 resumes and just one person is going to get hired. It wasn't all that long ago that I was nervous and frustrated by my job search, but it doesn't have to be this way. You can navigate your career with confidence, spend every day learning, and drive to better yourself. You can be excited about the future. In today's episode, we meet Christian Zaney, an assistant director and lead talent advisor at Ernst & Young's People Advisory Practice. In this role, he's responsible for strategic efforts in identifying, qualifying, and attracting executive directors and directors at EY. Christian was born outside of the United States, and today, as a successful talent leader, his roots have really shaped his values and his work ethic, as well as his taste in food.
0: Born in Argentina, and uh, it's a beautiful city. I don't know if you've ever been, but it's it's huge. You know, metropolis. Um, I can't remember how, million, how many mil- millions of people it has, but Um, You know, Argentina is known for steaks, so you Mm -hmm. can find a really good, you know, churrasqueria or, you know, get a good asado, which is, you know, your steak in Argentina. And so being able to go and have that with chimichurri and, you know, nice side of either potatoes or, you know, uh, French fries or whatever it is. But uh, but that it would be like, especially right now, where I would love to just, you know, be close to family, (laughs) given the circumstances, that'd probably be the number one place right now that I would want to be at right now.
1: 2020 has been quite the year. I know my wife and I had plans to travel to London to visit friends over the summer, which that trip obviously got canceled. Christian talks in this episode about some of the challenges that you face throughout life and being flexible and being able to adjust to many of those challenges. In fact, his career from what he wanted to be when he was a child didn't turn out that way.
0: I was really, really young. So I was, I wasn't even a few months before my parents had me, you know, basically with my mom traveling through New York uh, to Colorado Springs in the United States. So my parents uh, were missionaries that grew up, you know, uh, in the church. And so uh, the plan was my dad was, you know, actually left before my mom did. And um, we moved to Colorado Springs. And uh, he's, the plan was he was only going to do school for a couple of years and then go back to Argentina. But Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you know, crazy diversions happened <laughs> right. and, uh, he ended up, um, we ended up staying in the United States for 10 years. And then, um, fast forward, you know, those 10 years, uh, we actually ended up moving to Guatemala. So I actually got to spend, uh, 13 of my years in Guatemala. And around that time, I actually, um, went to San Diego to school. So I was moving back and forth between California and Guatemala, uh, again, because my parents work. And so, uh, amazing experience life, you know culturally rich, you know, um, you know, Mm -hmm. Spanish being my first language, but also, you know, being able to get a chance to speak English, Um, you know, it's very, very formative in my development, you know, just um, having those opportunities and experiences. Um, I went to school after graduating uh, from high school in Guatemala, went to school in San Diego, and then um, spent a few years in San Diego. That's where I got into the talent industry or, you know, agency industry. And then in 2005, moved to Dallas. And I've been in this area since then.
1: Today, you work in the talent space for EY, which is known for attracting a very high level of talent within an already competitive industry. But when you were younger, what did you want to be when you grew up?
0: There's still a side of me that always wanted to be, you know, either a police officer or some kind of, you know, SWAT guy. Um, it's interesting because my brother ended up doing all of that, but I had to, you know, I had to learn how to live vicariously through him. He actually now works for Ernst and Young, which is kind of cool, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I always think I always had that kind of side of me that was always interested in, you know, so I always get addicted to the, you know, the the first 48, you know, kind of detective, you know, research kind of jobs as well. So and in a way, I, th- I do think I was able to kind of follow a little bit of the track there with just uh, from a recruiting perspective. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think as a kid, I was like, yeah, that'd be kind of a cool job to do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's so important in a year like this year in 2020 to be so thankful for everybody who's oh, yeah. on the front line. Um, you know, I think it's a very admirable thing. So many people making sacrifices, um, this year. And to be honest, the world wouldn't be able to survive without yep. our mine this year.
0: I'm very creative at heart. Um, so from a hobby perspective, I love, I love doing music. I love doing a lot of things that just really, you know, uh, you know, touch that point in my brain that, that really drives creativity. Uh, especially from, uh, one of the things that really excites me with the work that I do today is the strategy piece, right? So I mm-hmm. love, I love uh, you know being able to have a seat at the table, especially with our executives understanding the challenges that, and their real world challenges. Their challenges that we face every day, uh, and just being able to have at least a, a, a part of that. The, the nice thing about you know recruiting, and I've always kind of seen this, especially over the last you know ten years of management consulting, has been um, just the way that recruiting is viewed or talent acquisition is viewed is we're really the tip of the spear when it comes to the the firm, right? And so Mm -hmm. we are essentially the individuals going out and identifying those folks. And so I love the challenge. I love the hunt uh, for me, just being able to find and attract and convince people to come to, especially like a firm like EY, and then getting to have an impact on their career is absolutely inspiring for me.
1: As you were growing up, like what are the key lessons that you learned from your parents? What did you take away from them? How did that shape you?
0: First and foremost, if you will, um, it would have been uh, really just the sense of unity with you know with the family, um, okay. that closeness and the importance of having family and your loved ones around you. Um, I think also just learning to be very adaptable um, and understanding you know, different environments and situations aren't always going to be the same. And yeah. as you know, as even we're experiencing right now, you know we're, we're breathing it, living it, that it's constantly change. And so learning to not necessarily you know came under pressure when, it, when there's change or, or curveballs thrown at you in life. And so I think a lot of it, you know, has really prepped me for, you know, just even the work that I do that, you know, there's no two days alike. And that's, that's the one thing I love about my role, but uh, it, it has shaped me to learn to be versatile, adaptable, and, you know, uh, understanding that, you know, and then understanding and being very empathetic to people's cultures, walks of life, you know, challenges that they're learning to deal with. And I think that's something that my parents have really instilled upon me. You yeah,
1: know, perseverance is going mm-hmm. to be, a trait that's going to be so important over the course of the next few years. You know, I graduated from college in 2009. So Mm -hmm. I really feel for many of the folks who are, whether they're college juniors, college seniors, and, you know, as you know, especially in in accounting, you know, there's many freshmen who Mm -hmm. go to college, pick an accounting major, and dream about working at one of the big four only to have something out of their control, you know, impact, Impact their kind of life journey that they had planned out, but life's kind of funny like that you know mm-hmm. it doesn't always end up how you think, where you think, and a lot of the times it it does work out if you're adaptable to to your point yeah you know, op- open to different different paths because life's not always necessarily linear
0: you're absolutely right, and I think you know where where it is you know tricky or where you have to learn how to adapt I think your, your resilience is really going to show, especially during these times. I mean, I remember when I came out of college, I graduated 10 years before you did so 99 and the economy was different for the technology space. You know, I got into um, you know, I, the first job I got, I got into was working for a magazine. I was a journalism major and uh, that, that company, you know, ultimately um, I I think I did that for about a year mm-hmm. before I moved into a company that was really focused around aviation Mm-hmm. and aeronautics and landing systems for airports and so forth and that was around the height of 911 and so um you know I tell this story as part of my journey um you know we were about a 500 you know person employee you know just in the outskirts of Kansas City and um you know literally within months because we lost a lot of contracts with the US um you know uh, FAA a lot of contracts had, had basically gone um, had been frozen or, or, or put on hold. And so there were then we we start to, you know, we'd start to experience a bunch of layoffs and a lot of transitions that were taking place. And so right out the gate, and that was one of the reasons that got me into recruiting essentially was because I was like, well, I want to do a role that I can take anywhere in the world if I have to. You know, I wasn't really thinking 20 years from now, but I was thinking, what is this something I can do, a skill set that I can go anywhere if I have to, and I can always fall back on if I needed to start my own business or something like that. And so that was one of the reasons I got into to recruiting. And in, 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 at that time,
1: being a journalism major in college, you know, I think the part of the challenge with life is you go through life and you grow up. You go to middle school, you go to high school, you mm-hmm. go to college. These are kind of defined steps on a path that, for the most part, have a time frame that you have to adhere to. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you're brave enough to go into engineering, at which point five years <laughs> is totally acceptable. Yeah. But <clears throat> otherwise after that like life doesn't really have a time frame. There's no set time for when you have to reach certain milestones when you, you know, whether you choose to get married or not, choose to get married, whether you right. choose to buy a house, whether you don't choose to buy a house, you know, at that point, you know, life will go where where life goes, but yeah. you know, you don't have to compare yourself to others or even think um about ahead or behind because there really is no ahead or behind anymore at that point. What's another important lesson that you've learned in your life and what was life like before you learned it?
0: I would say that it was something that I probably learned much later in life, but I wish I would have known about this, you know, probably in college. And I think if I would have been a little bit better about, you know, keeping my ear to the ground Mm -hmm. and really doing a better job from a networking perspective or, Really developing, you know, lifelong or sort of key relationships while I was in college um, was really, uh, and this is something I, I actually, uh, as as a coach now or as a mentor, you know, here at EY that I that I, I provide to some of my mentees, if you will, is is finding 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 a coach, finding a mentor that that is going to be really um, a sounding board, uh, not necessarily someone that's going to ultimately have. You know, uh, an impact on you know your performance reviews or so forth, but something someone that is ultimately is is really even outside of the firm or even outside of your skill set. But that's going to give you. Uh, it could be a it could be a parent, it could be you know a family member, but more importantly, uh, someone that's either within your firm or company where you work at, or even outside of you know your organization that that can really provide, you know, their experience. You know that the things where they, they they might have you know encountered as pitfalls or challenges along the way or just someone who's going to make you think or look at things much differently and so i wish i would have had that guidance i've i've actually you know now i've been able to surround myself with with quite a few different mentors or colleagues you know who are uh whether and they don't have to be lifelong mentors or coaches they could just be in that moment in time right but i think um Knowing what I know now versus what I knew then, it, I mean, it's, it's really shaped me to look at things much different. I know it's, it's probably enhanced my career uh, in a better way. Um, I just wish I would have taken, had, had not taken so long to do it, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, and I think a common misconception about mentorship too is that it has to be like this structured, rigid thing where you go to somebody and you say, Will you be my mentor and meet every Tuesday at this place yeah. and talk about these things? <clears throat> but a lot of mentor relationships happen a little bit more natural or organic than that. Talk to me about like how one of those relationships has developed over time and like, you know, how often do you keep in touch and you know, what does that format look like?
0: Yeah. So I'm, I'm really fortunate in it. And, um, you know, and if Carrie's watching this, then, (laughs) you know, she, she knows, she knows that she's actually uh, just uh, Carrie, uh, Carrie Garton. She's, uh, she's a former Olympian. Um, You know, she was, I think, in the Beijing Olympics and um, my, so at EY, we do every, excuse me, every year we do this, uh, uh, EY hosts this event called milestones and it's our recent, you know, recent hires or newly promotes at the assistant director level, manager level, um, and then you have senior manager, associate director, uh, as well as, you know, other people that come into the firm. And the firm makes a lot of investments, but, you know, five years ago, and I just celebrated my, my fifth year here at EY, so I just started in the firm. Carrie was up on stage talking about the importance of having a mentor uh, and a coach, and that, that was actually kind of my aha moment. And I mm-hmm. think right after she had given her, you know, presentation and conversation, I, you know, because Carrie sits here in Dallas, you know, she's a part of the talent team. Uh, we weren't working um because she was on the tax side of the practice. Um and I was I was doing advisory at the time, but I went up to Carrie and said, Hey Carrie, um if, if you're cool with this, I would love for you to be my my mentor, you know, slash coach. And she's like, absolutely, absolutely. And so from that moment, um, you know, I just I kind of just I took the initiative to just, you know, ask her, you know, and uh we agreed upon it. And it happened honestly over time, it happened probably more organically than it felt like it was it was forced. And then um Fast forward a year uh, into my career, why I transitioned from advisory to practice, and now Carrie was not just my my coach and mentor, but she was also my counselor. And so, mm-hmm. um, so I had the unique ability and opportunity to be able to have someone really, you know, from a day to day perspective, uh, challenge me, help me grow, and and that's ultimately had such an impact on my life because, you know, you look at things. It's, it's good to have someone who understands the firm, but you know, it's also, you look at things in such a way where you're like, wow, this person has given me such a, a different perspective and they're willing to invest that time. And I think, you know, you, you definitely have to find someone who is willing to provide that time. But as the mentee, you know, you're going to have to take those steps. You know, you're going to have to take the initiative in many cases, um, you know, and you might find someone who may not have the bandwidth to do that, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's a bad thing or a good thing. You just, you know, But, you know, I would say just be very, you know, intentional, strategic about who you ask to be your your mentor.
1: Yeah. And this is something I think a lot of job candidates as they're looking for their next role need to keep in mind as they're choosing the company or firm that they're looking to potentially join is, you know, larger companies, larger organizations like EY are going to have great developmental opportunities, training programs in startups you learn a little bit a uh, different way you get learn you learn by getting thrown into the fire and learning through experience right off the mm-hmm. bat but you might not have a you know as structured of training onboarding rotational programs and things like that but what you just said there that really stood out to me is something that i think had i have known earlier in my career i would have been way more proactive about it which is as the mentee you need to grab it and take control of it. Because even if yep. you're at a great organization that has those resources, at least 51%, at least 51% of the effort is on you. Like, like you got to take your own control over your own destiny and grab it. Because the reality of it too is great mentors, really great mentors are not going to be people who are just sitting around. They're, they're folks who are extremely busy, but... They want to give back the time, yeah. but you have to ask for the time and follow yeah. up and and really put effort and thought into it in terms of what you want to get out of it because you're only going to get out of it what, whatever type of effort you put into it. So I couldn't agree more there. But what was something that, before you started a career in management consulting, uh, what were some of the things that you wish you would have known?
0: I think I wish I would have, well, at least... Either gotten into or known, you know, more about management consulting even when I was in college. Because, you know, as a journalism major, you know, I, you know, I I had even a great mentor then to just, you know, guide me and say, you know, because I was always my mindset was really always on the on the business side. I always wanted to do international business, Mm -hmm. yeah, having the opportunity to speak two languages. And, um, but, you know, going going into what I know today, you know, and just the dynamics around management consulting and that it's, it's very, it's very challenging. It's very complex. Um, but you're, you're obviously having an impact in so many different areas of industries and, uh, people and their lives and, and the decisions that organizations make and the, you know, they come to you, whether it's from a strategic standpoint or from an advisory standpoint. Um, but I think, you know, just now having been at, at a place like EY and then prior to EY, uh, SunGuard Consulting Services, you know, it's, it's really that the the dynamic of working with people and just the opportunity to really understand that you know there are there are challenges you know like we talked about earlier um, in this podcast you know that the world throws challenges at you every day le- learning to understand those dynamics of working with people and then understanding those pain points and then being able to to solve those you know issues and challenges along the way um, going growing up or kind of starting out my career in journalism you know, I felt like I was probably tucked away behind a desk and not really having much of that interaction of really being able to kind of go into a world of, hey, you know, what kind of impact am I having? You know, what, what's mm-hmm. kind of my stake in the game and this and this role? And so, so that's one thing I wish I would have, you know, probably had a little bit more coaching or mentoring or kind of guidance even going through, you know, college and understanding what that looked like. But I've been fortunate enough to have, you know, this, this journey and, and kind of see that, you know, now firsthand. Um, and I, I encourage people, you know, even if, if management consulting is not a part or something on the top of your mind, especially as you're, you know, you know uh, your college graduate looking for career opportunities, I would say explore, you know, your options. And um, it's not for everyone. I will say that, you know, just full transparency. But I do think if you're looking to have an impact and have a, have a you know, have a say in, in, in the growth of what an organization can do for its clients, then you know, I definitely would consider that.
1: Yeah, I think that's one thing that I'm not a super huge fan on personality quizzes. There's um, <laughs> a few of them out there that are worth yeah. taking. Strength, Strength Finder, for anybody mm-hmm. who's listening, is a, yeah. is a great one. Um, Myers-Briggs is another good standard one. Uh, I'd avoid the BuzzFeed ones if you're using those to make decisions on your careers. But one thing that I do think, uh, to your point, that folks should know about themselves is do you Are you a creative type? Are you an analytical type where you really get energy out of like sitting down, mm-hmm. putting on headphones and cranking through a crazy puzzle or just making something that's just cr- so creative? And yeah. that's what gives you energy and you would be excited to do? Or are you the type of person that gets a lot of energy out of interacting with other people, collaborating with other people? Mm-hmm. Because these are oftentimes the things that you don't really understand about a career in terms of the actual day in the life of a job until you get into it. unless, Unless you ask folks before you actually get into that profession.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. And I, I would say, um, one of the things that EY does really well is when you come into the firm, especially as a new manager or an assistant director or even, you know, higher up. Um, and I, I wish we would do a better job, even at kind of the, you know, you know, entry level, you know, roles as well. But we, um, I got certified in traycom social styles about uh, three years ago now. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, uh, that's one of the things I actually have been facilitating in our milestones, milestones programs now for the last couple of years. But it is it is learning your social style. It is, you know, whether you're analytical, whether you're driver, whether you're amiable, which is what I am, uh, or expressive. And the nice thing is one of the the key takeaways out of that whole program is is the importance of understanding that, you know, on a high performing team, which EY really, you know, really stresses the importance of having uh, throughout the organization, is having a good balance across, you know, the team. So you you don't want an organization that's just a bunch of analytical folks, or you don't want an organization that's just drivers, you know, you want a really Mm -hmm. good blend. And I will say that, you know, even look at the numbers year over year, EY continues to do a really good job in that space. But as an individual, it's good to know that because you're absolutely right. You know, if you're analytical and you love doing reports or you love spending all your time in an Excel spreadsheet or doing, you know, whatever kind of research um, or the same thing is if you're a driver or you like, you know, you know, leading teams or projects or opportunities, absolutely get the chance to kind of do that. And you're right, Strength Finders, I think I, I bought the book and I did the quiz and I think that's where I learned, you know, okay, I'm, I'm creative type, you know, obviously, but then, you know, strategy is something that really speaks my, you know, quote unquote love language, if you will.
1: A lot of people think that job searches or networking are frustrating a lot of the times to the point where they want to give up, it causes yep. them anxiety. Why do you think people feel that way?
0: Yeah, I think it's where your energy is spent. Um, I think if you're if you're just thinking that I'm gonna sit behind a computer on indeed.com or glassdoor.com or, you know, old I don't even know if they still exist, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uploading your resume and then just, you know, applying to 17,000 different jobs that are out there. Uh, that's going to be frustrating. I think it goes back to the comment earlier of, as a mentee, you know, do I need to take the initiative? It, it really is. It it really is taking the efforts and the initiatives to go out there and and find networking opportunities, um, especially in a market like right now, where um, you know, after the, I mean, and you and you can you can attest to this because around the time you graduated uh, college, was um, when the housing crisis crisis happened. We went with like a deep bottom recession. A lot of people were getting laid off. I was talking to executives who were making well in the, the high six figures. Um, and they were trying to find opportunities. And, you know, and they were just like, man, I keep applying to jobs. I keep on applying to jobs. But I'm like, but I'm like, why are you just putting all your eggs in that one basket? You know, you have mm-hmm. to, you have to be creative, you know? And that might mean, um, it might mean going out to networking events, lunches, dinners. Uh, they might seem mundane, but, you know, until the, until you actually strike, a, strike up a conversation, or get in front of someone, um, you know, that's the best way that you're going to ultimately find something because as the saying goes, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And that absolutely stands true uh, within any organization. And so, um, you know, it's the importance to around not just developing those those relationships, but maintain those relationships too. Um, they may not all pan out, you know, especially, you know, if you do get laid off. And I know a lot of people have been laid off, you know, it's evident, you know, in the markets, you know, I think you and I were talking about this the other day. Uh, At startups, right? You know, startups. You know, people getting laid off, or you know, uh, people trying to come out of college and not having an opportunity in hand. Um, but if you're just relying on one sort of platform or tool, um, you're, you're. It's, it's, it's going to be very difficult. Uh, but I think the other component of it as well is is just being resilient. You know, just being not not just throwing in the towel. Um, you know, be okay with rejection. Rejection doesn't necessarily mean. you're horrible and then take the time to understand or be or allow yourself to be coachable too i was talking to a candidate last week about how um you know how his he had this this crazy chip on his shoulder really just around the fact that because he had had had, he had not had really good relationships with recruiters in the past and so he immediately just lumped me into, into that kind of same general population and i said you know that's one it's not necessarily fair but two it you don't come off as being someone that you want to really want to work with easily, if that makes sense. Um, and so I, I, I kind of coached him and and I know he appreciated the coaching because I said, listen, you can't just, just your bad experiences. They they might've been bad experiences and you're going to have bad recruiters. You know, you're going to have bad people that you're going to work along with. You're going to have bad experiences from an interviewing standpoint, but also, you know, just be willing to do the work because it is full-time work. You know, looking for a job is going to be full-time work and you have to be okay with that. But, yeah, you know, what you put into it is what you're gonna get
1: out of it. Yeah, a couple of things that I just heard there that I definitely agree with many of it. You know, number one, don't spend all of your job search just kind of aimlessly applying for jobs on a job board. It's not a quantity game at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, 60% of successful folks who find their next job that actually comes through networking. Yeah. So if that tells you where you should be spending your time in a job search, like if you were breaking down a 40 hour job search week, mm-hmm. 60% of your time should really be on networking. If 60% of jobs are found through networking, you know, yeah. figuring out a way to check back in with your old connections, let everybody know that you're looking for a job Um, obviously it's a little bit different if you're in a confidential job search and your employer doesn't know, but for the most part, you know, if you are in an open job search, everybody in your network should know because you never know when somebody's uncle, somebody's dog sitter, somebody's, you know, (laughs) somebody's, you know, dog play date at the dog park happens to work at the firm that you would be excited uh, to be working at. What's one mistake that you've often seen others make in a job search or that you've made yourself in a job search?
0: And and I think it's still, it's something that's going to stand true through time. It's don't, don't burn a bridge, you know? Um, And that's, it could be the silliest thing, but it's crazy how many, how many instances I've seen throughout my career, people do that. And then their name circles up three years down the road, five years down the road. And they are like, Hey, do you know, so-and-so, or do you, do you recall that? It looks like you used to work with this person. Is there anything that you can share about them with me? And immediately, you know, people don't necessarily, or you know, remember the the good experiences. Just like you know, you never you're not going to rave about a really good restaurant. You know, as mm-hmm. as the saying goes, you know, you're always going to complain about that bad experience, right? It same it goes with the same with, with candidates, you know, or, or individuals who you might have worked with that just might have left, you know, and never showed back up, you know, or was just a you know miserable and just complaining at the same time, or or, or whatever the situation might be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's probably something um, that you know. Regardless of even if you're at a place where you're so miserable, don't don't talk bad about your your previous job or your your boss. Uh, don't talk bad about your previous employees, especially in, in an interview. <laughs> if that's something I can you know just give as a, as a word of advice, uh, because that that just sounds like a red flag or you know the warning bells off with candidates as we you know we're talking to them. I really I rarely see that. I used to see that more when I was doing agency recruiting, um, but again. You know, even as a recruiter, I I would try to coach someone on that. And and a lot of times people get really comfortable with the recruiter, but just keep that in the back of the mind as again, as miserable as you might seem or come off, uh try not to to express that that part.
1: I completely agree with that. I've also done thousands of interviews over the course of my career. And I think in almost all circumstances. Even if it's a company where their Glassdoor review is like two stars and like <laughs> in, the, in the media, they're talking about how bad it is to work at that company, it's not a good look on anybody to complain oh. about it. Yeah. And it's much, much better to... Especially in interviews where you only have 30 minutes or an hour, it is much better to spend your time talking about the difference that you can make at the organization that you're about to join mm-hmm. than spending even a second complaining about the organization that you've either left or are in the process of leaving right now.
0: The other thing I was just thinking about on that too, if, if, if there was something I could coach or advise, if you will, is, um, do, do the homework, do the research, you know, leading up to an interview, Um, take the time to understand, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly of an organization. Um, and one that's going to show that you've, you've taken the time to really invest in the interview. Um, you know, the same goes with, you know, just um, you know, as you're out there applying for jobs, be intentional, um, just throwing your resume over the fence and hoping it sticks somewhere isn't necessarily the, the most advisable. You might you might get something because you have very niche, you know, a niche skill set that might, you know, apply to something specifically. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times where I notice uh, a lot of candidates have success is, again, leveraging their network and so forth. But even as they're out there applying to specific jobs, it's taking the time to actually go through the job description and understand this is exactly what they're looking for. It might mean you have to re-edit your resume 17 different times as you're going out there and, and putting that, you know, putting that on, you know, posting that up or you know, whatever the situation might be. But um, it's, I think being much more intentional about it, you're going to increase your chances, you know, because you have to think there's a bunch of other people behind you that are trying to apply for that same job. And so the more intentional and the more time you take up front, it's going to at least get you your foot in the door to interview and, and so forth.
1: Yeah, and there's a tip that you just gave in there, which a lot of job seekers don't know, which is you might have to edit your resume 17 Mm -hmm. times for 17 (laughs) different roles. I think a lot of people have this misconception that you make your resume in Microsoft Word or Google Docs or wherever you're making it uh, Mm -hmm. now and you export it to a PDF and then like, that's it. Like yeah. print, print, two, <laughs> print 200 copies, it's ready to go. Yeah. That's really not the case anymore. No, you know, it's not. When you have different job descriptions, it's like an open book test. That job description is saying literally yeah. the things that folks are looking for. You know, Part of the guidance that folks who go through the Biden program know that I often give is, make your resume about 25% longer than the final resume is going to be because Mm -hmm. as you're looking at those different job descriptions, you're going to be cutting bullet points out that are not relevant. It's great advice. Really honed in to what that job description is looking for. Um, You know, it is not a Wikipedia page of your life where you need to list out every (laughs) in your life. You really want to hone in and tailor it to Mm -hmm. each job. So you might have HR experience and marketing experience in your background. But depending on if you're applying for an HR role or a marketing role, right. there might be specific bullet points that you put in. Because if you leave everything, it might seem like you could be wishy-washy and not quite sure of what you want to do next.
0: Yeah. Great advice.
1: Tell me about the kind of process behind the scenes of how you ended up at EY.
0: Yeah, so it was um, it was an interesting time, but you know, I, I just, you know, I firmly believe that, you know. All things happen for a reason. I was, so prior to coming to EY, I was working for a consulting services organization called SunGuard. Um, they, you know, uh, we, we had the product side and then we had the consulting side and I was doing a very similar role what I'm doing today in terms of executive recruiting, you know, doing, working with our leaders. Um, but at the time, um, you know, I, I, someone from the, the talent team here at EY had reached out to me and they had said, you know, hey, are you interested? And looking at some new opportunities, they they see my resume or my, my, my resume, but my profile LinkedIn. And um, because I had been working in the management consulting space, you know, working to, to hire, you know, directive at partners and, and executives, uh, that is really essentially what stood out. Uh, really, my, my, at the time, my emphasis was more in the financial services space, but they're like, they really like my IT background. So, again, I took the time to always, you know, and I continue to do so. Is make sure that my my LinkedIn profile is up to date. It essentially reflects the work that I'm doing that I, at this moment, um, and that's something I would encourage you know your listeners, you know our viewers to do, to do as well. Is that uh, take the time to to build out just like you know you were saying, Vincent, about you know having you know a really strong you know resume or profile. It's the same goes with LinkedIn. So that, that essentially attracted that that person to reach out to me. Um, I went through a handful of different interviews. Uh, actually actually of an officer in Dallas and uh, met with my what ultimately would become my my my, my leader, um, Jill Serba, who's now still with the firm. But she she was ultimately the one I met with, and it was a pretty um, pretty um, easy process, if you will. I mean, obviously, you know, they they liked my background, so there wasn't really questions about that as much as you know, just the ability to step into a, a world. Now, when I when I joined EY they made me the offer and all that. Um, when I joined you, I mean, it took me, you know, I, I thought it was going to take me just to, you know, a few months to kind of get, you know, my bearings, but to, it took me a little while because it, it's a different management consulting, regardless of what people say, it, it's, it's definitely a learning curve. And, and so just adapting to that was, was, you know, was challenging, but again, it was something I was really hungry for. And again, going back to things happen for a reason, um, all the while, um, you know, when I was, you know, because I was kind of passively looking when I was at SunGuard, I wasn't necessarily like miserable, but there was still a lot of uncertainty with some of the things that were happening in the marketplace at the time. And, um, and they were actually going through an acquisition or potentially either going IP or they were actually going um, to sell to whoever was going to uh, acquire them. And so, timing worked out because I'd given my notice in March of 2015 and six months later, they were being acquired by Fidelity Investment Services. And so, uh, so the timing worked out perfect. You know, I'm glad I made the move. Um, it was a great experience. You know, leading into that transition, but, uh, but yeah, I went through my series of interviews, met with different folks, and you know, I think overall it was a it was a really great experience.
1: What advice would you give to somebody who's looking to get into EY?
0: I would really recommend, and something that EY does really, really good at, as well as our competitors do, but um, is if you're in college, if you're a freshman, don't wait. Just start to develop the relationship with you know, every, I think every semester or I think every, I think it's either spring or fall. I think that we do it both um, is to take the time to go to the career fairs, whether you, you, you think you're going to be graduating in four years or five years, or, you know, you're going to be, you know, like in Tommy boy, he says a lot of people go to school for seven years. <laughs> he's like, he's like, yeah, they're called doctors. Um, but, you know, <laughs> but I would say that, you know, take the time uh, early on and start developing those relationships um, with, uh, the recruiters that are that are attending these events, um, EY does a really good job in terms of sending out. Uh, we have a huge campus uh, initiatives and efforts, you know, across, you know, and it doesn't necessarily even have to be the big schools. I mean, I think EY will be obviously present there, but if you're if you're going to quote unquote a smaller school uh, that may not necessarily be on EY's radar, start to find out, you know, through your network people that might you know might be you know uh, working there or you know people that. You know, whether it's through church or your high school or you know, your, your neighborhood, there, there might either be people that are working there that you don't even think about, or people that uh, they, they actually know someone that works at one of those organizations and start to just ask questions. You know, as, as, as I mentioned earlier, management consulting is not for everyone, but uh, the good thing is EY really starts uh, getting people to intern early, as early as a freshman year. And so uh, we keep track of individuals who, who start in their internships. So if you're an accounting major, Uh, or if you're, you know, you're, you're someone in technology or, you know, or kind of in that STEM world, you know, trying to, 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 you know, build your career out. Mm -hmm. There's, there's, it's kind of twofold. I mean, it's one, it's a great takeaway from you, from a learning experience, you're going to have the opportunity to step into a world and determine whether or not you was going to be a fit for you or not. But I would just say, just start talking to the recruiters, get their contact information, uh, develop those relationships. Do you know again take the, the the initiative to be you know proactive in terms of reaching out to them, understanding hey, what do I need to do in terms of my college career in order for me to get a job at EY? And so that might mean taking an accounting degree or uh, classes, or it might take um, other classes that you're just not aware of. So as you're going through your you know uh, registration and for the fall or the spring, now you can understand okay, this is the roadmap I need to do in terms of the classes I need to take. Or, you know, in order to, to get or land a job at a place like an EY or PwC or Deloitte or KPMG.
1: I was a CMO at the last company that I was working with. And, you know, in marketing, reaching out four years before you need a job might be a little extreme. Yeah. And for some companies, that might be the case. But in management consulting, time and time and time again, the successful mm-hmm. candidates start early. Yep. Um, at your, if you're in college today, a lot of colleges have what's called uh, SAS or Student Accounting Society. That's a really great place um, where there's events, there's uh, workshops hosted. Um, but it's also great to be able to network with upperclassmen as well mm-hmm. and find out what the experience uh, is like. especially if you're a freshman in college right now and you're talking to a senior who's going through the recruiting process um, for a job or a junior who's looking to get an internship, A, it's good to be able to understand what that process and experience is like for them. But B, that person might be working at that company (laughs) in a few years from now. And so it's (laughs) going to be a great contact uh, to have in a few years um, as well. But... Uh, it isn't management consulting is not really one of those areas where you can procrastinate and decide right. that it's something that you want to do halfway through junior year or halfway through senior right. year because there are set time frames and milestones for application deadlines and um, for uh, interview days that are oftentimes even hosted uh, on campus. And so it's almost you know more akin to like a college admissions process where there are set timeframes and process um, that you should go through. I like your advice of getting to know the recruiters uh, early. Mm -hmm. You know, I think one question that folks might have is, well, if I make that connection so early, how do I stay in touch? And I know one piece of advice that I always give is just follow the person on LinkedIn, hit like when they're posting, occasionally comment. You don't have to be you know, the person that comments on every single post, <laughs> but I guarantee you, you know, if every couple posts, you add just a little bit interesting, you know, just a comment that just shows that you absorbed the content and added to it in some type of way. And you do that over the course of a year or two, guarantee that person's going to remember that.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. No, and that's, that's really good feedback. I think, you know, in terms of, you know, taking that initiative, as, as you mentioned, and then just, you know, again, not, not being sort of overbearing or overwhelming with the recruiter as well as, as really, really good good points. One thing I wanted to add, and you touched on this just a little bit ago, was um, these ERGs. So, you know, um, one thing that EY does a really good job is, is it partners up with, so for example, you know, Alpha is our Association of Latino Professionals uh, for America. Um, it used to be really geared towards accounting professionals, but they really opened it up. And so, um, so I, if you're, if you're, and you don't have to be Hispanic, but I mean, if you're, you know, Latino or, you know, uh, underrepresented minority, you know, whatever the situation might be, definitely a partner up. But last year I got to go to the Ascend conference, which was like, you know, for Pan-Asian and, you know, that was up in DC and that was my first time attending that event. But just seeing how many, you know, you know, campus, you know, uh, students were going through that and how much they had been involved in that chapter, you know, at their, at their university is, is so key. And so, um, starting early, as you mentioned, Vincent, uh, is so key to just really getting involved, understanding, and then and then uh, participating, you know, whether you become the president of that group or not, or you become, you know, the whatever, the administrator or, or whatever level you come in at, uh, or just being someone who's active in, in setting up these events, it's getting out there, it's making yourself know, it, it's, it's building a brand early on. And as EY looks at individuals, we really look at those components too. It's like, what has this person done from you know collegiate standpoint what kind of brand would they be bringing to ey and I mean obviously that that's going to speak volumes especially if you're already getting a jump on that kind of stuff and it shows that you're 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 really really invested in in, in the career path that you, you you're currently taking in college
1: yeah the ERGs are employee resource groups for anybody mm-hmm. who's listening. Um, really are something that I think a lot of people in college don't know about because you don't really get exposed to it until you start working at larger companies. But yeah. you know, the ERGs uh, support communities of employees from uh, different groups. Uh, you know, obvi- uh, uh, A lot of the time, there's an LBGTQ ERG. Mm-hmm. There's uh, nearly almost always a veteran ERG. Yeah. And so... You know, these are really great ways of being able to learn about organizations. I think what I love about it too is um, employees who typically spend their time participating in the ERG and giving back in the ERG are also going to be more likely the types of folks who would be open to meeting for coffee and sharing about the company because uh, they're oftentimes the ones that are really proud to be there and want to give back and want to help others and so it's a perfect fit for being able to reach out and just learn about somebody's uh, experience, especially since you already have something in common and that person likely has a story and a journey uh, to be able to share. So we've talked a lot about mentors and the importance of finding mentorship throughout your career. Outside of that, what are the best resources that have helped you along uh, along the way in your career?
0: Yeah, great question. I think one of the things that I, I take a step back on, and this is something I was very intentional about, doing more so last year. And with this whole virus thing, it's kind of throwing things out of a loop because I would, I would, I used I used to just, you know, plug in and and go to the gym. And and so a lot of us just use it, listening to audible books, you know? And so Mm -hmm. um, I've been, I've been really intentional about books that have been around uh, business um, leadership, you know, principles. um, Obviously, you know, I know Brene Brown is is, is a name that gets thrown out quite a bit. Uh, But then, you know, other books that, you know, kind of, you know, piece to my appetite in terms of, of uh, just knowledge. And so there's, you know, there's books about um, military strategy, you know, there's, there's books that, um, you know, that, that might be, you know, talking about, you know, leadership principles and, in, in in challenging times such as war or combat. And so you, you I start, I start to pull different things and, and think, okay, well, how are certain things I can apply to myself? You know, some of them are around relationships, you know, just even, from how What can I do differently in terms of developing relationships, uh, not just with my fiance, but, you know, family members, you know, as well as colleagues uh, and the leaders, especially now that I'm, I'm, I'm taking on this lead role uh, from a people advisor standpoint. Um, and then, you know, from a knowledge perspective, um, other resources are the day to day work that I do. And so, you know, at EY, we do a really good job in terms of you know sending out news and, and other articles that, you know, our leaders have written. And so I, I try to stay really on top of what they're writing, paying attention to certain things that they might post on LinkedIn, um, just so that I can stay, you know, close to, you know, and educate myself in terms of the content that they're putting out there as well. (laughs)
1: Um, Where can our listeners connect with you online?
0: I would say best place is LinkedIn. Um, I I don't know if you're going to put that link up there or not, but yeah, I would say that that's probably the best place. Um, And, you know, I'm always happy to, to, to provide mentoring or mentorship to anyone. So if it's something that you're interested in, you know, always happy to, um, you know talk through and, and get to know you a little bit better as well
1: yeah awesome christian it's been a pleasure to be able to chat with you today and i really appreciate your time and sharing just all these insights with everybody who's listening
0: likewise vincent i love that i love seeing what you're doing as well you know in terms of um you know your role in this podcast and so uh wish everyone luck and just thank you for the time and consideration and and yeah looking forward to staying in touch
1: awesome thanks again Thank you so much for listening to the show this week. If this podcast was helpful to you, the best thing that you can do to support is please consider rating and reviewing the show on Apple Podcasts. This helps us help more people just like you move towards the life that they desire. Visit our podcast on Apple Podcasts, then scroll to the bottom. Tap the rate with five stars and just leave a sentence or two about what you loved most about this episode. You can subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts, or you can write at hello at viton.com. I'm Vincent Fanvan, and you've been listening to How I Got Here.